This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Now, returning to our conversation about BC's child welfare system, it's been in the news and we've been talking about it because of the absolutely horrific case of two small children who were abused by their foster parents. One was killed, the other badly injured, and the foster parents have now gone to jail for manslaughter. The thing is, they weren't visited by social workers for something like seven months. And all we know, all we've been told, is that some people are no longer working with the ministry. But what we also know is that this is far from being an isolated case. How was this allowed to happen? How do social workers not visit a site for seven months when abuse is so clearly present? What are the repercussions of not following protocol? In fact, the representative for children and youth, Jennifer Charlesworth, called it one of the most egregious situations she's ever seen. So what we want to hear from people in charge is, never again, here's how we're going to fix it. We want details on how this is going to be fixed. And that's why we are very pleased to have with us Mitzi Dean, Minister of Children and Family Development. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Simi. What can you tell us about how this case has impacted your ministry? Everybody is absolutely outraged. Um, As you said, it's absolutely horrific. Um, And... uh, and all of us feel um, the pain and the anger that I know all British Columbians do learning about what happens in this particular circumstance. As soon as we found out that the home wasn't safe, we the ministry took immediate steps to make sure that any children youth connected with that home were in a safe place. And uh, we also took measures to make sure that any children youth who were the responsibility of anybody on that whole team was seen to make sure that they were safe, to make sure that they were in a caring and a loving and a nurturing home. And we put extra measures in at various levels throughout the whole of the ministry to make sure that children and youth are being seen regularly, being seen according to their needs, um, you know, depending on, on what their vulnerability is, what the placement was, making sure that um, children and youth are seen privately so that frontline workers can really establish with that child and youth a good relationship and find out exactly how they are feeling about about um, the home that they're in. I've been a frontline worker. I'm a qualified social worker. I know that the basics of doing the work are making sure that you see the children and youth, you make sure that they're safe. And I told my staff that this was not acceptable. We know, you know, that we have policies and procedures, we have practice standards that tell our frontline workers that you need to be seeing children and youth, you need to do assessments of homes where children and youth are placed, and uh, and that is fundamental frontline work, and it's unacceptable if uh, that's not being achieved. So, Minister Dean, then when you found out about this and you wanted to put these changes in place then, was it clear that this was happening? Like, are there other instances that you know of in the ministry where children had not been checked in on and absolutely needed to be checked in on? No, we put extra measures in place to make sure that um, that children and youth are being seen um, by frontline workers. Um, you know, I know that most of our social workers are doing the work because they're passionate about it, because they care about children and youth, and that's 
you know, that's what drives us to get into this kind of work. And, you know, a, a lot, most of our frontline workers go above and beyond and they make sure that they are there, you know, at, at, even outside of office hours, they go above and beyond to make sure they're there so that children you can reach out to them if there's any concerns or they're feeling unsafe or if they have any questions about anything. But we put extra measures in place to make sure that, that we know, because I understand that people, you know, have these questions. How could this happen? Yeah. How do we know it's not happening now? How do we make sure it never happens again? And those are the fundamental questions that I put to my team as soon as I heard about this. Okay. So and then so when you, they, when you say face to face, then are there home visits? Do social workers yes. talk to children away from an adult who may influence yes. what they say? Yeah, that's exactly the point. Thank you for asking that. So it's really, really important. What we know is, you know, the relationship between the frontline worker and the children youth is really, really important and vital. And so they need to be regularly visiting the children youth, having private time with them and spending time with them to be able to find out, are you feeling safe? Are your needs being met? You know, what what are your goals? What do you what's important to you? And what does the frontline worker need to do to support the people in the home caring for them to make sure that they're achieving their goals? Okay, we don't need need to know names, but how many people lost their jobs over this? Anybody who was directly involved with this particular situation is no longer with the ministry. I can tell you that everybody through the ministry at all levels, including myself, have been absolutely shaken to the core by this by what we learned about what happened to these children. And we have put measures in um, at all levels of the ministry to make sure that the basic policies and procedures that should have been followed in this circumstance are being followed with regard to every single child and youth who's in uh, the the care of the government. Okay, so So, so multiple people then, you're saying multiple people. I can't comment on the labour relations. There's um, legislation that governs even what I'm told. So I, you know, there's only very limited information that I am even told. So I am, and limited information then that I can reveal to you and your listeners. However, uh, we have a lot of uh, measures of accountability and um, we have a lot of uh, human resources, labor relations, policies and procedures that immediately get put into action where there are concerns of practice. And I can assure you that if there's any, um, any questions around practice, that will be immediately um, addressed because it's so critical. Minister, do and, you, you can also understand, though, how, how the public, including myself, are so frustrated because this is not the first time we've heard of this happening and every minister has told us not never again and it happens again. And I understand that. And, you know, what we're dealing with here is a very, very long colonial history, um, you know, from so-called residential schools, Sixty scoop. Um, I, you know, I know a lot of people associate the the modern child welfare system with that colonial history and the intergenerational harm and trauma. And Indigenous children and youth are overrepresented in the system. And our vision is to respond to the calls that we have heard from Indigenous leaders for decades. That um, and and we've we've introduced legislation to support this. Indigenous communities want to exercise their inherent right of jurisdiction over the services for their children, youth and families. So we introduced legislation last year to support that. That is our vision, is to work with nations to support them in exercising jurisdiction in the way that they want to. 
And so we already have one signed coordination agreement. We're in conversations with many other nations as well. We are actively working with the federal government who need to join us at these tables and support BC nations in exercising jurisdiction. And, uh, and, and, and you know, that is the really important work that we've been doing for the last few years and that I'm going to continue doing. And I hope that we can continue having that conversation with you about it because I think the public does kind of need that reassurance. But Minister Dean, thank you for your time on that this morning. Thank you very much, Denise.